Mike Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have comedian Shane Moss. I have been a huge fan of Shane's comedy for the last several years and was really excited to have Shane join me on the podcast today. Shane is currently out on his good trip tour with over 100 cities as well as some international dates and the show has just been doing incredible. Uh, he was here in Salt Lake back in December and the show sold out and Shane's now returning to Wise Guys Comedy in Salt Lake City uh, next week on Thursday, March 16th. Uh, the show is just $15, starts at 7 p.m. You are not going to want to miss this show. Uh, Shane, if you, you've probably best seen Shane's comedy on Conan. You've heard him on uh, on WTF with Mark Marin, as well as You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. And he's, he's absolutely incredible. Uh, his last album, My Big Break, was another just amazing album of Shane's. So if you're not familiar with Shane's comedy, this this tour, uh, it, it, it deals with some of his, uh, his stuff with psychedelics. So that's part of why it's called a good trip tour. So now he's not telling you to bring him psychedelics to the show. He's not going to do the show totally stoned or anything like that. But, but he kind of delves into some of the storytelling, stand-up, and, and different areas of, of psychedelics. And uh, some of his experiences there. We talk about that on the podcast. But it was a lot of fun talking with him. I'm excited to see the show next week. So I, I really wanted to see him last time and missed out on the show. And like I said, it sold out. And it sold out fast. And I, I really anticipate this one's going to do the same. So if you're not in Salt Lake, you know, make sure you go to Shane's website. And you can check out any of his upcoming tour dates to see where he's going to be doing stand-up near you. Uh, as well as any other performances. There's also links uh, available to hear him on WTF. As well as You Made It Weird. And uh, yeah, make sure you come check out come check out a show if you're in Salt Lake City. Like I said, $15. WiseGuysComedy.com is where you can get tickets for that. And we'll have all those links available on the website on the mikepodcast.com as well so that you can check those out and and, and see when shane is, uh, is coming to you and uh, follow him on, on all the social media links on there as well so like i said he's one, he's one of my absolute favorite comics and i was very honored to have him on the podcast can't wait to see those shows coming up in just two weeks i will be back down in anaheim for wondercon so i'm really looking forward to getting back there last year's wondercon was such an awesome experience so many great panels great artists uh, even ran into the Aquabats down there, so you never know who you're going to see um, when you're at WonderCon or even San Diego Comic-Con, but we're really excited for that. So in two weeks, we'll be back down there um, covering covering shows uh, and stuff there. Uh, next week, we'll actually be at Salt Lake Comic-Con Fan X uh, on Friday and Saturday, I believe it's the 17th and 18th, uh, we'll be covering shows there as well. So if you see us out and about, uh, Christopher and Jesse will both be with me as we cover those shows um, and, and you know, interview a lot of great guests. I know Salt Lake Comic Con has Weird Al coming next week, Stan Lee, Jason Momoa, uh, just to name a few. So I'm, I'm very excited to have those, you know, those guys that are going to be in town. And hopefully we'll get to chat with them. I, got, I finally got to meet Weird Al when I was covering Festival Supreme. So hopefully, we'll, you know, I have another chance to, to kind of chat here. So but yeah, look for us at those events Salt Lake Comic Con Fan X next week and WonderCon at the end of the month in Anaheim. So we're really looking forward to being back. Again, make sure you guys get your tickets as soon as possible. I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, to go see Shane Moss next week at Wise Guys Comedy. And again, if you're not in Utah, look, look up his website. Go to our website, on onthemikepodcast.com. Go to his website. Find out when he's touring near you because his shows sell out fast. You are not going to want to miss the Good Trip Tour. Get, get those tickets now. It's $15, wiseguyscomedy.com. And yeah, hope you guys really enjoy this episode of Shane and I kind of dive into, you know, some of the stuff with a good trip, some of his comedy influences, you know, growing up in Wisconsin. Uh, oddly enough, I've actually been to Shane's hometown. The only thing I remember about it is there was a really good soup restaurant I, I, I used to love to go to there. So uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny to bring that up and Shane was surprised that anybody had ever been to La Crosse, Wisconsin. So it was a lot of, a lot of fun talking with Shane. Hope you guys enjoy this episode with Shane Moss.
I am doing well. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, me too. So, so are you are you uh, on the road right now? I am in Boulder right now. I'm uh, doing uh, doing two shows tonight. I'm doing my uh, good trip show that I'm bringing to Salt Lake City next week. But I'm also doing um, a a new talk about DMT that I've that I've been giving. Awesome. So I'm I'm excited yeah. to bring in the show back to Salt Lake. I I missed it the the last time around. So and uh, I mean you you sold it out last time and you've been you've done over a hundred cities now is that is that right or are we still part of the hundred? Still part of the hundred. Yeah, you're still gonna sneak in there under under the hundred. It, it's gonna be you're gonna be over like the ninetieth stop that I've made, but I think it'll it'll be around because it's not a new city. I think it, I, I think it I'll have done like ninety cities by that time. I'm I'm doubling back to some of the ones where I did. Um, where, where I sold out in, in instances where it makes sense. Um, and and so, uh, yeah, Salt Lake was one that we turned away a bunch of people. So, um, yeah, I come back and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was one, of, one of my uh, favorite shows. Oh, on, that's, uh, on that's the amazing. I, I, did, I did an especially long set uh, too, so, so we'll see what happens on the next one. So that that's awesome. I mean, with especially with the theme of your show kind of being uh, focused around psychedelics, it, it amazes me that Utah uh, came out to that. That's <laughs> in, in massive numbers. Not only came out, but they went crazy for it. it was, like, they went absolutely nuts for it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, yeah, I, I should almost, uh, I could almost shoot my special there. That's incredible. <laughs> So and and you should. We've got a lot of great venues to do it out here. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it'll be nice to come back. It's funny because I hadn't gotten through Salt Lake that much uh, before this show, and and so I'm I'm now. I think I think I was at Salt Lake twice before I put together this show, and now since since I started talking about um, psychedelics, I'm, it seems like I'm finding a lot more time to spend in Salt Lake City. So I, I've been. I, I, this will be my third stop through actually with the same show. Oh, that's awesome. Um, the first, the first time it was, it, it used to be called "This Is Your Shane on Drugs," um, which I thought was a brilliant name, and uh, but it didn't work out because everyone thought I'd going to be on drugs while performing, <laughs> and then, um, and which no, that's a waste of good drugs, and then, uh, and then, I, and I have, by the way, I have tripped on stage uh, before while performing just to see if it was as bad of an idea as I thought it would be. And uh, and it was it was uh, <laughs> it was not it was not terribly enjoyable. The show went fine and everything. The audience didn't know any better, but I certainly wasn't. Ha- the whole time I was on stage, I was like, "Man, I'd rather be outside just looking at trees right now." <laughs> Instead, I'm up here analyzing this weird puppet prison I find myself in for a living. So when you when you had that show where you decided to to uh, trip on stage, I mean, what what was the drug of choice for that night? That was LSD. I was actually, you know what, I, I was actually, is such a weird thing. I went and I was hosting, um, I got asked to host some weird barbecue, like, contest thing. Like, some, there's, like, some barbecue fair or something, and then there's all these different contestants, you know, winning prizes for best barbecue or whatever it might be. And so I had to, like, taste the barbecue and vote on it and everything and then get on stage and tell jokes about barbecue. It's the <laughs> strangest thing. And then I just mentioned my um, my psychedelic show, as, like, which I was doing, like, a couple days later. And, 
And then someone came up to me, he's like, hey, you want some acid? And I was like, all right. And I had, uh, someone, someone brought acid to a barbecue uh, festival. Uh, like, well, it wasn't like a fish show or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I was wondering, because I know and, people bring Doug Benson and some of those guys pot all the time on the road. So do people regularly bring you different psychedelics on the road? every time somebody comes up to meet you after a show or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will say it's happened in the past. It certainly has happened in the past. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing. I don't encourage people to bring this to my shows. <laughs> Those are illegal substances. Um, my show is just a very informative show about the effects of psychedelics. And if you are going to do them, how to do them safely. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully Utah will pay attention and not bring anything like that to the show then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, so when people are like, oh, should I, should I come, like, tripping to your show? I'm like, well, I mean, I don't care if you do. I mean, you probably enjoy yourself, but I, I'd rather, like, come and watch it sober and then be, um, use it as inspiration for, for your, your next trip is, is what I think the ideal situation would be. But people, I don't tell people how to live their lives. You know, I just, I just try not to be uh, um, too loud about that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you're gonna do stuff like that, you know, keep it on the down level. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> so the one, one thing you I know, you know, the thing is, it's like it's, 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 it's all, all that stuff is like, you know, police, the police have to worry about people committing crimes and stuff like that, you know, and, and people that are on psychedelics aren't committing crimes, so they're not worried about people on, on psychedelics. They're worried about people that are on addictive drugs like meth or, you know, crack or whatever it might be, or people drinking too much and driving. That's the kind of stuff keeping police occupied. So if you don't go around being all loud and in their face about it, you know, most of the time, they just leave the psychedelic community uh, uh, alone. That's why it's like you just gotta be a little smart about it. That's all. Yeah, don't don't go up, don't go up and blurt it right to their face that you're that you're tripping on shrooms or anything at that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and and some people don't know that. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> the one one thing I thought was interesting. Uh, I, I saw that you grew up in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I've actually been to yeah. lacrosse, so I know not a lot of people really? go through there, but I've oh, wow. been to lacrosse. Uh, years and years ago, I, I was fairly religious as a, as a child and uh, 
went went on went on a as I call it my uh, religious fever dream for six months before I realized it was all bullshit. But uh, it, it ended up taking yeah. me through uh, through lacrosse. And the one thing I remember there is there was a great uh, great soup restaurant. So that was the one, that was one of the things that I remember about lacrosse. Really, I don't a great soup restaurant. I want to say it was called Bastilles. I want to say it was called Bastilles. It was. I know it was primarily based in Minnesota, but I remember that there was one that would have trickled over right right around lacrosse that I always loved stopping at. Oh yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I used to when I used to go downtown lacrosse. It was always just like drink. When I was when I was like college years, that's all there was. Lacrosse has the most bars per capita, and it used to be. It's cleaned up quite a bit now, but it used to just be like all dive bars. And I like dive bars, but not when it's only dive bars. Yeah, and like fratty kind of bars too. And and so yeah, there was a the city's fifty thousand people, like at most. That's like when schools in session and everything else. And um, and there's 370 some bars in the cross, which I imagine blows Salt Lake City out of the water. Even though Salt Lake City probably has, I don't know what, what's the population of Salt Lake City. Do you happen to know? I have no idea. Like 350,000, if I were to guess, it's probably. I'd figure. I'd figure that's a safe guess. And uh, yeah, so and and I imagine they have half that number of bars. So if that gives you any idea of how ridiculous um, <laughs> they, of uh, of alcoholics we all were, I remember when I, first, I first moved to Boston. That's where I started doing comedy. And I remember, and Boston is known as a drinking city. Yeah, and I up there, and I just drank like I was used to drinking. Like everyone that I knew drank, and everyone was like, "Whoa, what is wrong with this? Like you need some help. You're not supposed to be." <laughs> It's always funny to watch people from Utah that'll go out of state with, uh, you know, we'll go to get drinks or something, and they forget that Utah, especially with beer, is so watered down. And they'll they'll start in on their beers, and a, a few in, they're just like, oh, whoa, like, and then they they start to they start to get a little woozy because you can't really drink like that in in Utah unless you really try. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I think I had a much different upbringing than a lot of the people around uh, around Salt Lake City. Yeah, <laughs> I always feel bad. I I remember my first experiences going past like whatever the Mormon to the big square there. Yeah. Um, and and then immediately having like this nineteen year old girl come up and try to like, tell me about, it. and I was like, oh no, that's what they make people do. <laughs> that must be so awkward because I was like. love when mark Marin comes to town he always stops by there uh so so that as he puts it he can go visit space jesus because there's this huge jesus statue uh that's standing up in the universe and so mark every every time he comes through town he always he always takes a selfie with space jesus and it it cracks me up because i can't go i can't go past there anymore without thinking of space jesus <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it should be some type of some type of cartoon on Comedy Central or something. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, it, it's. I think that's 
that's why my psychedelic show does so well there. It's always areas that like there's there's like a little bit of a culture of like really trying to control people and have like some very strict sets of rules and th- those are the ones those are the ones where I have the best audiences coming out to my psychedelic shows. It's all the always. repressed people trying to come out and experience some life. <laughs> close enough i mean it's what five hours from vancouver washington to vancouver canada it's, it's yeah, close yeah, enough yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I know, I know we had some billboards uh, like time. that I, 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 it's my favorite thing about when uh, like when republicans are in office because then they just tell everyone every, uh, they, they go we all need to get along and then they're like and if you don't agree then get out of the country you don't belong here. Like, oh, well, that's extreme. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's all so, that it's all that, that carnage and bloodshed that they that they enjoy so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's it's uh, it's all it's all my uh, it's just that was my whole upbringing was around that kind of stuff. So I just find it amusing. Yeah, it's 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 very similar to how how things are here. So I, I can completely relate. And I mean, in that same regard, I I listened to your your uh, episode of WTF. And I thought it was fascinating hearing how you had kind of grown up in, you know, a very religious household and things like that. And and so I'm always intrigued when I hear that people had a similar upbringing of how, how you kind of ventured into comedy. Oh, I mean, early on. So, so first off, my, my um, like, I had a very, like, loving, very, like, wholesome, um, you know, upbringing and family and everything. They, you know, they were very... Uh, yeah, you know, from from small towns, hadn't been out much, and kind of just, uh, you know, do do what they're told and that sort of thing, and and so you know they raised me the same way they were raised, which is just super strict, and and I was also the first child, so so you know there's a little more, uh, they were just a little more overprotective with me, and I just rebelled against all 
I mean, from like the age of four or five, I was just like such a handful, always getting into as much trouble as I could. So the very first instant that I, because I remember being around the age of like, you know, eight or, or so around that time, like eight or nine when, when, you know, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember like never uh, having anything strike me. And then when someone explained to me that there's this occupation called a stand-up comedian, someone that like goes on stage and tells jokes and makes people laugh, I was just like, yes that is what I'm going to do. And fortunately, I was a young, stupid kid that actually <laughs> thought that that was possible. And so it got stuck in my head. And then I never paid attention in school and was rebellious and a troublemaker. And then by the time I was an adult, my back was so against the wall that I didn't have any other option than to follow this foolish, stupid childhood dream with <laughs> every ounce of energy that I, that I had. And somehow I pulled it all off. And I can't imagine trying to think of doing, like, being 30. Sometimes people are, like, 30 years old and, like, you know what? I think I'm going to try comedy. Um, I can't imagine, like, being that illogical as, as an adult because it's a ridiculous business to get into. But I have a mad amount of respect. Anytime that someone's like, hey, I've always thought about trying that. What should, what, what should I do? I'm like, yes, just don't even put it off another day. You should... Why not? Like, you don't need to bank your whole life on it and make a living off of it, but why not go for it? Then I don't think I would have ever had the balls myself to try comedy had it not just been that I had no other option in life. It was either that or miserable factory work um, and, like, be threatened to be fired, like, every other week for the rest of my life. And see that, and 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 I, I get that because I'm kind of on that that almost older end of the spectrum where I didn't realize that it that it was something you could do as a career with with film and comedy until I was in my mid twenties and I'd been going through business school and hated every minute of it and so it was like well, I could kill myself or I could just go into film and I, I remember telling my my wife we'd been married about a year and I was just like you know I think I'm going to drop out of business school and focus on film and comedy. And the fact that she didn't hand me divorce papers has always amazed me, <laughs> but luck- luckily, being later later in life, I felt like it almost it almost kind of gave me a you know a little bit more of experience to kind of write and draw from. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I I always beat myself up for um, for you know not uh, starting comedy earlier than I had. Yeah, I wish I had started um, earlier by far. <laughs> but you know. There's also that point where it's like I, I was. I think I started right right before my 24th birthday, and and my early material was so immature that I can't imagine how immature my material would have been had I started five years earlier, like I actually wanted to. And maybe I, maybe because I didn't have that life experience, maybe I thought because I didn't. If I wouldn't have had all that factory work, I, I wouldn't have known. Um, I wouldn't have had the motivation to be like. Just remember, you don't want to have to go back to that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what keeps that's what keeps my drive going. A lot of the time is I look at what the other option is, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I, I can't fathom going back to working a retail job or anything like that. It just it's it seems like absolute torture to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, some people too. I mean, I I've been like I also knew people that I worked in a factory with that were like perfectly happy to just go and put in their eight hours. 
home and they could like completely detach and and you know spend time with their family and and like who cares work is just this thing that you zone out for eight hours and and do and uh and awesome for for those people what, what i i i just feel bad for the people that like when people are like oh i always wanted to be a stand-up i will well, then go and like give it a give it a shot i have a i have this friend that uh that has it like at the same time that i was starting comedy he, he had been playing guitar and like wanted to start a band and stuff and he'd been like talking about like oh yeah i should start doing open mics too well now i'm 13 years in and have a, a somewhat successful career and he's still talking about maybe going out to try his first open mic yeah and that's that, that always breaks my heart when i see some of those guys that you know they they do make those they, they have it lingering there and they said just they they take the safe route instead of taking that risk and I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge risk to take, and it, it's scary when you go up for that first open mic. But the payoff of sticking to it can, can be really rewarding. Yeah, I, I mean, my my first open mic was like uh, was in this ghetto that like I I actually this open mic that I went to when I started, I got marked at gunpoint. That's like how rough of a neighborhood uh, this was in, and and um, and and there was never any actual audience there. It was just a bunch of comics, and they were all <laughs> all waiting on on like their turn, and no one was paying attention to anyone on stage, and everyone was just kind of like talking in the back amongst themselves and that sort of thing, and uh, and. And it was it couldn't have it couldn't have been a harder place to get a laugh, but uh, you go through that and uh, it, it toughens you up, and then uh, eventually you learn a few things. So, in, in the years that you've been doing comedy, I mean, at, at thirteen years now, what do you think the biggest thing that you've learned has been, and how how's, how have you seen comedy change? Uh, one, get out of your comfort zone. Um, that's that's like the number one thing. I I do it all the time. That's why I started my own podcast. Here we are, podcast. I go around interviewing scientists about the meaning of life. I never had a college education, and and um, the idea of talking uh, to super smart people about subjects that they're experts in, and trying to keep up is uh, is like a horrifying concept to me to this day. Um, but uh, but I. Uh, I push myself to do it. I remember when I started, I was like very much, when I started doing stand-up, I was very much like a Stephen Wright, kind of, like I was very dry, like stood in one place, and then and then I I started being a, a little more animated once in a while, or doing a little character here and there, or, or maybe even like uh, jumping around on stage for a particular joke, or, or um, telling a story, I mean, all of these things. Like, the first time I tried telling a story on stage was horrifying. Because I had figured out how to do, like, these quirky one-liners. But telling a story was a whole other thing. And, so, and then, like, yelling on stage or, like, making animal noises or, like, whatever. Like, I, it, it was all stuff that I would have just, like, felt really stupid doing and, like, making yourself a little vulnerable. Now I have, I just have a couple new bits where I do, like, a little bit of singing on stage. And I... And, and singing is like one of my biggest insecurities. I have a horrible voice, and so like I'm always just kind of trying to push that. Um, and I'm not talking. I'm not like, oh, I'm scared of singing, so I'm going to do all singing. I, I mean, I sing for like ten seconds in a in in a bit to like move a story along or something like that, you know. Um, and uh, so even even something as as small as that um, really. Gets 
comics is they, you know, spend a year honing their first five minutes that's, like, really tight and works really well, and then they finally get it, and they finally, like, get reliable laughs, and then they just use that same, you see them five, five years later, and they're using the exact same five minutes just because they're comfortable with it and scary to try new material. I see so many people's uh, lives just fade away into the comfort zone, and, uh, and, and that, that comfort zone is, is misleading. It will crush people. And so I, I say I say run from that. And then as far as how, how comedy's changed, it's changed tremendously. I mean, look at, look at uh, like uh, how big podcasts are now. And everyone has podcasts, and it can be on whatever topic. You know, I, I'm talking about, uh, I'm traveling around talking about evolutionary psychology and biology and neuroscience. You can have... Um, uh, there, there's like four or five different podcasts that about board games. You know, there's there's uh, there's uh, podcasts about um, every every possible like concept under the sun, really. And and podcasts are are really even just starting to get popular. That's a totally different thing than when I started. And like the morning zoo was the only way to like go out and get butts in the seat, and it was just this horrific kind of. You give people lead-in questions and do these dumb jokes that they set you up for, and I, I I hated that so much, and it's just so limiting. And even like late night was like the biggest deal in the world, and now it's now I, I put more effort into like getting on some of the bigger podcasts than I you know I did like Mark Maron's WTF that you listen to. It's like but more more people come out to shows from hearing me on that than all of all of my late night appearance, appearances that I've ever done combined. It's nice to be like, hey, I've been on Conan five times and put that in the advertisements. But as far as people that actually saw me on and then were like, oh, I got to check that guy out and then become some big fans or something like that, that's just going to happen. Whereas with podcasts, people get to know you a little bit and it's a little more intimate, it's a little more genuine, it's a little more interesting. You get to dig into things a little bit more. You get to go off on like rants like I'm doing right now. Um, it's just so uh, it's awesome. I love it. I love the way it's changing. I mean, for as much of a time suck as like Facebook and Twitter and that kind of stuff, and as annoying as they can be, and as full of trolls and everything else, they can also be really um, you know a great way for people to kind of connect and find um, cool, more interesting things than than just you know, going out to the, the, the same old, I, I mean, you know, when I was, when I was younger, like I said, all I did was go out to the same old dive bars over and over again all the time. I didn't even think to do what else, uh, uh, anything else. Whereas now, you know, if you're logged onto Facebook, your friend might be like, Hey, I'm going out to, you know, this arcade or this show or taking a trip to here. Does anyone want to go with me? You know, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a way to get people exploring um, new things in life um, as well. Uh, so, so it's also about finding that balance. Too. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, I can't be on Facebook or Twitter for a few weeks because I'm wasting time ranting about stupid my stupid political opinions that only <laughs> alienate people. No, that, that it, the social media community definitely it it has its pluses and minuses to to comedy and it's. It's hilarious sometimes, even with with a lot of the writing that I'll do, and I'll post stuff. And depending on the forum, some of that, some of those trolls on there that 
it, it, it's scary when you know that, that it's a that it's a medium that anybody can state their opinion. You just have to be able to, to kind of roll with some of those punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So now, um, before we let you go here, so, I mean, you, you brought up your podcast, Here We Are. I'm so incredibly fascinated by, by the podcast uh, where, like you said, you know, you talk to scientists and some of these academics, you know, about, you know, di- different fields of, you know, evolution, neuroscience, different relationships. How, how, how are, I mean, is, since... Since the election of Trump, how have your uh, episodes kind of changed with the science community? Have you seen a shift in kind of their position where there's so much downplaying of science within this administration? I mean, do you, have you guys really talked much about that? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that the general sense, not not everywhere in the in the community, um, some people think that uh, that people um, are kind of overreacting to the whole thing, and and um, I mean and.
keeping these factory jobs? Well, they're all going to be automated, every one of them. I worked in a factory. They, they get a new robot to do your job every day. And then, and then fast food. Look, someone's going to work fast food. Fast food joints are going to be drive-thrus pretty soon. Yeah, and, so and some fast food already are. <laughs> dramatically. And people are so stuck in the past and, like, trying so hard to hold get back we need to get back to these fundamentals it's like no there are no fundamentals anymore like the world is we need to adapt to an ever-changing uh world or fall behind you know and and uh so i think i think it's a it's a little discouraging and that's the general sense in, in the scientific community but um you know i i uh if something happens the last four years it will definitely be a, a, a long hard lesson that um that uh, a lot of people are going to have to learn. I think even his supporters are starting to turn on him quite a bit. And, and so, you know, if it took him a little while longer to learn the lesson, we all make mistakes. But uh, but I, I think people are wising up. I, I still really do try to give people um, people credit, and, and I, I think people are are smarter than uh, a lot of people, and, and even I give them the credit for sometimes. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's a it's a big machine meant to manipulate people and meant to like grab people's attention. And it, I mean, they do it very well. Look, I mean, we're talking about Trump right now. It should probably just be ignored. Had we just been ignoring this guy all along, this would, we wouldn't we wouldn't be in this situation. So I don't know. Yeah, very 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 true, and and great great points. You know that you make with that. So. You know, I'm I'm really excited to, to come see the show this this next week here. Um, people can also before they come see you, you've got uh, your your comedy special mating season on Netflix. Uh, three albums up on iTunes. Your your most recent one, uh, My Big Break. So the mating season was my first whack at doing a theme show, and it was uh, I've learned a lot since then. And I, I don't dislike that special, but I'm just better at it now. And so I would say my big break um, about breaking my feet and kind of the psychology of negative behavior and pain is a really good, um, it will, will give people a really good sense of, or, or, or of what they're going to get on, on next Thursday. And that's free on Spotify, too. Excellent. So, well, yeah, the show, show will probably sell out again for as popular as it was last time. Tickets are just 15 bucks. So, Shane, thank you again for taking the time. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the show next week. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. See, uh, we'll see you next Thursday. Uh, thank you so much.